Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Uh, I was just, it was interesting, I was just, I was just chatting uh, earlier to someone, just before the service started, I was just asking, oh, how was, how's work going? And they're like, ah, oh, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty tough at the minute. And I was like, oh, what makes work, work tough? Just, just the sheer volume of work that I've got on at the minute, just so much stuff. Uh, and we just chatted a little bit about that and how that's difficult and, and things. And it's interesting, I think just the person I was talking to is probably not the only one. I'm sure some of us have got struggles in work, struggles to do with how much work we have. Um, and if we're honest, if you really think about it, actually life can be a bit of a struggle uh, a lot of the times, can't it? And not just in work, but in lots of different areas. I mean, let's just think of for us. Like last night, Eliz- uh, Grace was uh, our one-year-old. She was just decided to scream from midnight to 1 a.m. Uh, and... Uh, and actually, that was pretty good because the previous two nights, she'd been up like every hour. So I got up this morning and I was like, Elizabeth, oh, that was a good night last night. She only screamed for an hour. And she was like, Andy, you put your earplugs in at one, didn't you? And I was like, yeah. She screamed for another hour after that. You just didn't hear it. And I was like, oh, I see. And uh, some of us can be struggling with you know, stuff like that. Kids waking up at night, keeping us awake. You can, some of us maybe are struggling just maybe at a complete different stage of life. I was talking to a lady just this week who's really struggling to look after her mum, who's, who's getting quite old, getting quite ill. She's in her 80s. Uh, and she, you know, she's struggling to look after her mum. But also, not only is her mum really ill, her mum is just really hard to be with. Like, just really annoying, cranky, condescending, critical. Some of you are smiling. You're like, yeah, I know some people in my life like that. But, you know, that just makes it so much harder. And she's feeling guilty. I should be looking after my mum more. But it's just so hard to look after my mum when she just is saying all these things. And just really struggling with that. And it's interesting. I was uh, talking to one of our friends, Elizabeth and our friends. We were just chatting to her this last week. And uh and, and she's really struggling as well. Uh, she, uh, she said, look, I'm so overworked in work. I've got so much stuff on. I'm really stressed. And then two weeks ago, she found out she, they had bed bugs in their house. Like all the curtains, all the sofas, everything full of bed bugs. You know, like call out some of the sort that out. A few days later, she's a mouse running across the living room. You're like, oh, man, I've got mice as well. Oh, gosh, this life is just so hard right now. And then a few days later, the whole family gets COVID and they all have to self-isolate amongst the bed bugs and the mice. And she's just like, oh, my goodness, like, what next? You know, just struggling in life. I was chatting with one of my neighbors uh, just this week, actually. And he said, oh, we're just, me and my wife, we're just really struggling with two of our grown-up kids. They've got four grown-up kids. Two of them, he's like, two of them are essentially alcoholics. Uh, they both have kids, both separated from their partners. Um, they're just struggling with their kids' behavior around the alcohol and drinking too much. And then they look after their grandkids' loads as well. And obviously, they're really hard to deal with because neither of the two parents actually want to discipline them because they both want to be the good, neither of them want to be the bad person in the relationship. And uh, just really, really, really difficult. They're just really struggling. And, uh, I mean, Elizabeth, many of you know Elizabeth, she's a relationship counsellor, so her whole job is based around people who are struggling in their relationships. And, and she says, Andy, like, you wouldn't believe the awful things that people who say they love each other say to each other behind closed doors. You know, so often people, they get a few drinks, 
They have an argument. And man alive, some of the swear words people usually do. Sometimes Elizabeth will come back from sessions and she'll say, what does this swear word mean, Andy? I've not heard this one before. I don't know what it says about me, but I always know the answer to like, what it means. But, uh, but he's like, yeah, people say some awful things. And so you've got people struggling in relationships, people struggling with family members, whether it's kids or parents, people struggling with work. I don't know what it is for you. I imagine there's numbers of us here struggling with things. Uh, it could be relationships for you. You could be struggling with a relationship in your life. Maybe there's a relationship that's broken down and that's a struggle for you. Maybe you're not in one and you'd like to be in one. Maybe you are in a relationship and it's tough at the minute. Maybe for you, the struggle is just, it's not relationships, it's just to not be lonely. Maybe you're struggling to not get depressed. Maybe, maybe the struggle for you is to just make ends meet, have enough money. Maybe the struggle you have in life is to to have enough time to get everything done, work, family life, all this kind of stuff. Maybe you're struggling with health issues. Maybe you're struggling with work. You know, I'd say probably most of us in this room are struggling with something. It's just the only thing that's different is what the thing is we're struggling with. But what what happens when you're struggling and you're not living in the first world, you know? You know, what happens when you don't live in the first world? Struggles can get multiplied exponentially when you live in a poor or war-torn country. I was uh, chatting to one of my other neighbors uh, recently, just this last week, and he's originally from Iraq. He moved over about 20 years ago. And I said to him, I said, what do you like about living in this country? And quick as a flash, he says, things work. Electricity doesn't cut out. The water doesn't stop. The bins get collected. You don't have to bribe people to get stuff. Schools are good. Hospitals are good. And there's no war. That's what I like about this country. I'm like, fair enough, mate. That is, yeah, I will give you that. And then I said to him, how'd you get here? So he he names all the countries he had to travel through from Iraq to here. You can probably imagine someone, all the countries that come through. And he says, okay, get to France. How'd you get from France? Calais, Dover to Calais, or Calais to Dover. How'd you do that? And he looks a bit shifty, you know, and he's like, look, mate. Like everybody else, back of a lorry, you know. And I thought, I listened to him say the stuff before and I thought, you know what, mate, I don't blame you. <laughs> I really don't blame you, fair play. And he's here. And, and, and you just think of some of the struggles that he's had to endure in his life just to get here. We live in a world of struggle. And if you're sitting here thinking, oh, I'm not really struggling in life right now. Well, think of this. Many people have probably struggled in life to make your life not a struggle. You know, just think of your parents, how they've struggled to bring you up. The, you know, from your parents struggling to bring you up to the, you know, the people who made your clothes in some developing country, to the people who picked the beans for your coffee. You know, many people have struggled for us if we're not struggling. We live in a world of struggle. I think we're probably all in agreement with that now if we weren't before. Well, this morning we're going to look at the origins of struggle. Where did struggle originate from? And basically, well, it basically originated from where my neighbor is from. It originated in Iraq, which is widely believed to be the site of the Garden of Eden. If you look at a map of Iraq, it's got these two rivers flowing through them, the Tigris and the Euphrates, the same rivers that are mentioned in Genesis chapter 2. And it's really interesting that on the eve of the invasion of Iraq in 2003... One of the British army commanders gathered all the troops together and he told them very solemnly, we're about to enter the historic site of the Garden of Eden. So you tread carefully. You be respectful here. 
And that's what he told them on the eve of going into Iraq. So Iraq is the site, the traditional site of the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve disobeyed God. It's what we traditionally refer to as the fall. And as a result, struggle and hardship and sin have come into the world. And, and that has been a part of, the, of life on this earth ever since. I'm sure we all know the story. The devil in the form of a snake tempts Eve to eat the fruit that God said they shouldn't eat. Eve eats it and gives some to Adam. And the Bible tells us their eyes were opened. They lose their innocence. They realize they're naked and then they hide. Then God comes along because they, they could be in the presence of God then. God says, why are you hiding have you eaten the fruit? And then everybody blames everybody else. You know? Adam's like, oh, she gave me it. And Eve's like, the snake told me to eat it. No, nobody wants to take responsibility. And that is how sin came into the world. And the passage we're going to look at this morning, basically, is divided into three. And I love that. I'm a three-point sermon kind of guy. So this is a passage divided into three. It's basically God delivering his judgment on the three parties for what they had done. The first part of the passage is God's judgment on, on the first part of the judgment is God's judgment on the snake. The second part of the passage is God's judgment on the woman, and the third part of the, the, the judgment of this passage is on uh, the man. And and this this passage is commonly known as the curse, where the world is cursed because of what Adam and Eve has done. And and this passage has a profound shaping effect on the way we all experience life today. A lot of the things we, we suffer, a lot of things we endure is because of what happened in this, in this passage. So let's, let's have a look at it. It's Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 to 24. Now, it's, it's kind of fashionable, even amongst some Christian circles today, to kind of treat this passage as allegory. You know, it's just, you know, it's not, it's not to be taken literal or anything like that, but... I think we can't get, really get away from that because Jesus and the New Testament writers all took this to be the, the reason why we have struggle and pain and suffering in our world today. They took it as literal, so I think we should too. So let's read Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 to 24. It says this, So the Lord said to the snake, a.k.a. the devil, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. Now, does this mean snakes walked around on legs before this? Have you ever asked that question? Possibly, but it also could be that snakes already crawled on their bellies, but that this became a sign from this point on of God's power over the devil. A bit like... But like a rainbow is a sign of God's promise. God didn't change the rainbow. He just gave it new significance as a reminder of what he was, was doing. So it could be that. Verse 15 continues. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So basically, God says Satan's offspring, whether it be fallen angels or those who obey his lies and, and, and follow him, they will be at enmity with Eve's offspring, humans, from now on. From now on, that's going to be the way things are going to be. And then it says someone from the offspring of Eve will defeat Satan, will crush his head, even though Satan would, would damage them by striking their heel. This person would achieve ultimate victory. And this verse is obviously pointing to Jesus. 
It's, it's a very important verse because it's the first indicator of the gospel in the Bible. And we know Jesus, he, he, one of the offspring of Eve, he was damaged at the cross. His body was broken, but he achieved ultimate victory over Satan by rising again. And this judgment on the snake, it explains why we experience spiritual struggle to this day. It explains why as Christians we're in a spiritual battle against the forces of the evil one. You know, the devil doesn't want us to pray or share our faith or read our Bible. And he will try anything to stop us from doing these things. Whether it's distraction, whether it's condemnation, whether it's lies. He will try anything to battle us, to stop us from doing these things. As Christians, we're in a, a spiritual battle and it originated here in this passage. And then verse 16 continues. So we've had the snake has received its judgment, and then we have the woman. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. And I can remember when Elizabeth gave birth, and some nurse is coming, it comes in beforehand and gives this long list of drugs and options that you can get for pain relief. And before Elizabeth was in pain, it was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. While she's in pain, she's like, you give me it all, you know, <laughs> yeah, gas and air, whatever, just give, you know, there, there's pain in childbirth, that's a reality. Verse 16 continues, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Now, the word desire sounds like a nice word, but it's actually a negative word here. It's the same word that's used in chapter 4 when it says, to, when God says to Cain, sin desires to have you. It's a negative word. And it means Eve's going to have this sinful desire to oppose Adam, to work against him, to assert leadership over him. And and Adam, on the other hand, he's going to abandon his God-given role of leading, guarding, and caring for Eve. And instead, he's going to have a a sinful, distorted desire to rule over her in in a harsh and domineering way, completely different to the relationship between Christ and the church that marriage is supposed to reflect. And the tragic result of this is struggle in relationships to this day, which leads to marriage breakdowns, which leads to all kinds of societal problems as a result. And, you know, Elizabeth and I, you know, in church leadership for, you know, a good 10 years, we've met with many people over the years struggling in their relationships. And so many of the problems, so many of the attitudes, so many of the root causes of what's causing them problems, like you can see it here. You can see it right here. um, These problems at play at present. Then verse 17, to Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Not a barrel of laughs, this passage, is it really? It's a serious passage about the consequences of, of sin. And we see here, Adam, you know, toil and labor, farming is going to become difficult for him. And I am a farmer's son. So I can tell you, this is absolutely true. You know, one thing you learn about farming, you don't get nothing in farming without hard work. It is hard work, you know. For... Uh, I think I left home when I was, I think, 19. And I can count the times of one hand when I saw my dad in the morning when I woke up. 
because he was always up a couple of hours before I was out on the farm. Half five, he was out, had breakfast, he's had his quiet time, he's out milking the cows every day, every day, always out working. Always out working. I remember going back a few years ago. My dad's, my dad's a, a dairy farmer. So he's 150 dairy cows. He's also an apple farmer. So he has about 60 acres of apple orchards. I remember going home a few years ago and helping out with the apple harvest. I, I picked apples for a day. Woke up the next day and I could hardly move. You know, I was just, when you're picking apples, it's such physical work. I was like, oh, how do people do this? This is so hard. And my dad and everybody else were all mocking me saying I was a city boy that had gone soft and I had all that kind of chat. But it is hard work. You know, and this passage tells us that. I don't know if you've seen it uh, on Amazon Prime, Clarkson's Farm. Anybody watched it? I'm not going to encourage you to watch it because there's loads of swearing in it. But uh, it, it it is, it's a quite an accurate depiction of farming, actually. I know they've kind of, you know, they've, they've, they've knocked, mocked up a lot of things in it. But basically, Jeremy Clarkson, who used to be in Top Gear, buys a farm and decides to farm it for a year. And they have some TV cameras to follow him around and what he does. And despite all the labor-saving equipment, machinery that he has, tractors and combine harvesters and everything, he gets to the end of the show and his conclusion about farming, what he's learned about farming after a year of doing it is... This is really, really, really hard work. And we see the origins of that in this passage. But it's not just farming. It's not just manual labor is hard work. All work is difficult. And and the curse has affected all our work. And work can be difficult in different ways. Stress, deadlines, problems with your boss, overwork, unrealistic expectations. All these things make work hard. Okay, so we've seen in this passage the origins of of spiritual struggle, struggle against the the evil forces. We've seen the origins of of struggle in relationships. And we've also seen the origin of struggle in work. All these things coming from the curse. But then in the passage, we see these two glimmers of hope. Firstly, verse 20, Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. And this is encouraging because... You're like, wow, there's going to be life after this. Life is going to continue. People are going to procreate. Things are going to move on. And the second little glimmer of hope we see in verse 21. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And this showed that God still cared for them. God wasn't just going to like scrap up this whole creation, this whole world, and start again. No, he still cared for them. He still had a future for them. And then we see the last three verses here in our passage. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So they no longer had free access to God's presence and to the tree of life. And this sets up the whole narrative of the rest of scripture. How would these fallen and cursed humans get back into the presence of God? How would the struggle end? And the hope given in this passage is that there would be an offspring of the woman who would one day crush the snake's head. And it's to him that we look for our hope. It's to Jesus who we look for our hope. So that is the origin of struggle. That's where it came from, and we still see its effects in our lives today. 
But the reality is, you may be sitting here thinking, okay, that's all well and good, Andy. I agree. I, I can see the origins of struggle today. I've experienced it. I agree it's come from this passage. But like, like what do we do with this? You know, what do we do as believers with this passage? How does it affect us today? And I think, I think really, there's just two things I want us to do with this passage today. Firstly, I want to encourage us to keep going, keep struggling, if you are struggling. And secondly, I want to encourage us to keep our heads up because we have hope. You know, the the good news is that we have assurance of heaven. We have a fantastic hope. So firstly, keep going. Now, if this passage tells us anything, it's that struggle is a normal part of human existence. You know, it's okay to struggle. It's, it's normal in this life to struggle. In fact, it's, it's unusual to not have any area of our life that has no struggles in it. And maybe, maybe you're sitting here today, maybe you're feeling like you're struggling right now. Maybe you've got, a, 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 maybe you've got problems at work, or maybe you've got relationship struggles, or, or you're just, I don't know, maybe you're just struggling a little bit with your faith. I don't know. Like, I can understand how tough that might be. I've been there. You know, I, I feel for you. I really do. But... I just want to say, wherever you're at right now, I just want to encourage you to keep going. To keep going. To not give up. To not throw the towel in. To keep going. You know, I think, you know, we can spend, we can spend so much of our lives trying to eradicate suffering. We can spend so much of our lives trying to avoid suffering and struggle. But sometimes it's about enduring it. Sometimes it's about pushing through it. And when we do that, that often leads to good things. It often leads to good places. So if that's you, I want to encourage you to keep going, to not give in. It's it's interesting. I heard uh, uh, Winston Churchill give this speech when he went back to his, uh, his school. And I don't have it on the projector here. I'm just going to read it. You may have heard it before. He asked him to give a speech and he said this. Never give in. Never give in, never, never, let me get the number of nevers here, never, 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 in nothing great or small, large or petty, never give in, accept the convictions of honor and good sense, never yield to force, never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. And I just think, oh, wouldn't it be great to have a bit of that, that spirit of not giving in when it comes to kind of resisting the devil, resisting the evil forces of the enemy, to keep going, to keep reading our Bibles, to keep praying, even when it's a struggle, to keep following the Lord, even when it's a struggle, to not give in, to not throw the towel in. But also, I just want to say, when it comes to struggling, when it comes to keep going, we're not supposed to do this alone, you know? I want to encourage you, when we're struggling, to get some people alongside you. Share your struggles. You know, figure out who is it that that I could share my problem with or my struggles with right now? Who can I do that? And, 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 and when am I going to do that? When am I going to share those problems, those struggles with them? And, and also I want to encourage people, when you are struggling, when you are going through things, share it with someone else, share it with your brothers and sisters here in, in, in church, but also get some prayer as well. You know, one of, the, one of the things I most love seeing at church is seeing people spontaneously praying for one, or, one another kind of after church. That's a beautiful thing to see. You know, we're not meant to do this alone. So I just want to say on that one, also, when, when, someone, when someone shares, this is something I've learned the hard way, you know, when someone shares their struggles with you, we always, we can all, all, sometimes have a tendency to want to try and fix everything. Or also, we can sometimes have the tendency to want to try and minimize it and be like, 
oh, it's not really that bad. It's okay. It's not, it's not so bad what you're going through. Let's not do that. You know, when someone shares something that they're struggling with, let's acknowledge that the struggle is real, that it's tough, and, and let's encourage them to, to keep going. And also let's encourage people to, to bring God into the equation. Let's bring God into the equation. Let's pray for them. God's there waiting to be brought into our struggles, to be brought into that situation, to bring change into it. So let's remember to do that, to bring God into the equation as well. I remember hearing about uh, William Carey. I don't know if you've heard of him. He was a, a missionary who went to India in the late 1700s. And uh, he went to India and he began translating the Bible into a number of the, the, lang- the Indian languages. And he'd spent years doing this, and then a fire burnt down his workshop and burnt down all his work. Years of work gone overnight. And then he, didn't, but but once that happened, he just he got up and he kept going. He got going. He got started again. Started translating back into those languages again. And he had a number of bereavements of family members and friends, and he mourned them. And but he kept going, kept going, kept going, kept translating uh, the Bible into these these Indian languages. And at the end of his life, he'd actually translated the Bible into I think all the main languages in India, which didn't have the Bible before then. And he translated parts of the Bible into two hundred and nine other languages that ha- didn't have the Bible in them by the time he died. Many people got saved through his ministry, but his biggest legacy was that basically. Thousands of people were so inspired by what he did was that they followed him and also became missionaries overseas as well. And, and uh, William Carey is, is hailed as the father of the modern day missionary movement because so many people followed him out to become missionaries after he went and did what he did. He's one of the most significant figures in all of, of church history. Just kept going, kept going. Set back, kept going, keep going, keep going. And someone at the end of his life come to him and said, uh, Mr. Carey, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if they said this, but you know, you're going to die soon. What do you want on your headstone? What do you want on your gravestone? How do you want people to remember you? And he said, if you're going to write something about me, just say, I'm a plodder. I keep going. I plod. I'm a plodder. Just tell people to say that about me. And, 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 that, and that's it. It just, there's, there's incredible power in just keeping going, keeping plodding, keeping going, keeping going. And it's hard. It's hard being a Christian. No one ever said living as a Christian was easy. But we should have support as Christians. Let's get support. Let's get people alongside us. I don't know if you ever watched a rugby match and um, before they're about to have a scrum. They all, the, 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 both scrums get together and they all kind of hold on to each other. And, uh, and you can see, if you can see the front row, so you've got the two props and you've got the hooker in the middle. If you ever see the face of the hooker, the guy in the middle at the front row, right, just before he goes into the scrum, right, he looks invincible. Do you ever see his face? Like, it doesn't matter what scrum you're looking at, what country's playing, what team. He's just there. He's like, ah. And you can just see in his face, I could take on anything right now. You know, he's just like, whatever it is, bring it. And he's like that because he's got his buddies next to him. You know, he's like, yeah, I've got my guys here. I can face anything. And, you know, I just love us to have that spirit as Christians. You know that we've such such close community with our brothers and sisters that actually we can face real tough stuff, real tough struggle because we have our brothers and sisters in Christ right there with us. I remember playing rugby recently one time. Well, not recently, back 
15, 20 years ago. And, uh, <laughs> recent, I don't know why I said recently. Um, but I remember I, played, I was playing rugby. I, I got tackled. And then someone came in and properly stamped on me. And all I remember, I mean, you're lying on the ground. You can't do much. Someone stamps on you. There's not much you can do, really. Uh, but I just remember one of my teammates just come in and just lumped the guy. Absolutely whacked him. And I remember thinking just... Not my own here, am I? You know, I mean, I'm not condoning, you know, hitting someone. But in that moment, I'm like, I'm part of a team here. There's people who've got my back here. They may not have my ethics with this whole thing, but they're for me, you know. And just have a bit of that spirit, you know. And I've, I've had times that where people at church, you know, I've had to step in where they've they've, they've They've been in danger of being exploited or cheated out of money or stuff like that. And I've had to step in and say, no, no, you're not going to do that. You're not doing that. But I think for a lot of it, when it comes to supporting each other through struggle, I think a lot of it is just sometimes being there to listen to someone, share where they're at with stuff. So I, I, I know this has been quite practical. You know, I haven't been throwing tons of Bible verses at you this morning, but I just want to encourage us as a church to think about who we can reach out to amongst us, you know, our brothers and sisters here. You know, who is it that we can reach out to, drop a text to and say, look, could be great, can we meet up? Can we hang out? Can we chat? Maybe you need some support. Maybe you think you could give some support. Maybe it's just a bit of both. And I think, I mean, Tom mentioned it a few weeks ago. I think it's really important for those who are married with kids and those who are single and those who are married maybe without kids that we're kind of, we're connecting with each other. You know, it's not just married people hanging out with married, that we're connecting with. It's really important that we do that. And I think it's so important for us all that we, that we all have... A few, how are you really doing, friends at church? Do you know what I mean? Like, start a church, everybody says, how are you doing? Fine. Doesn't, yeah, whether you're fine or not, you always say fine, don't you? But actually to have some people at church who are like, how are you really doing? And you can actually really share where you're at. And you can share everything. And you know that it'll be in confidence. And you know that they'll, they'll look out for you. And they're there for you. And they have your back. And I think it's, it's so important for us to develop that level of community. I, I, I want us to have that. That's part of the reason why we're, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're coming into lockdown. We've had people come from various different places to this site. We've had people come from various different sites. We've had people join us through lockdown. And, and my heart is that we really build a sense of, of a really strong community. You know, that's why if you're in our WhatsApp group, there's tons of stuff going in there right now men's things and women's things and wreath making and curries and fireworks parties and all this kind of stuff i'm just trying to get us together so that we just develop a real strength of relationship and strength of friendship and and just develop those friendships where you have people who can just speak into your life that real strength of community that's what i'd love to see um yeah so i don't know i'm just encouraged I've, i've i've gone on with this let's let's keep going um, but yeah, let's do it together. Let's get around each other. Let's help each other. Let's keep going. Okay. Going to get some t-shirts made, you know, CCM Heaton's hashtag keep going. Can we do that? Can we still do hashtags? Is that, is that, am I too old for that? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> hashtag keep going. CCM Heaton's. Yes. Let's get some t-shirts, but it's so important. I mean, I was thinking, I was thinking this morning, like we, Elizabeth and I, we, every morning with Max and Grace, we read a Psalm. We get a Psalm out. And we let Max choose the number, what it is, and then we just read whichever one we want. But um, we read a psalm every, every morning. Um, we're just thinking, there's a lot of judgment ones. Anyway, so, but I was just thinking, I was like, wow, like, you read a psalm every morning. That's, I was thinking, by the time Max turns 10, 
he will have had 3,000 psalms read to him. And if you think about it, like, it's a struggle sometimes to read them. But when you, when you push through the struggle and you do that, I'm thinking, the kid's got 3,000 psalms read to him the time he's 10. I mean, what is that instilling? I mean, not nothing. I mean, there's something going in there, you know. And I think that just applies to so many things in life. To just be like, oh, you know, I don't feel like this right now. But I'm going to keep doing it. And, and you keep doing it, you keep doing it, you keep doing it. It has an effect, you know. I mean, it's that age-old little proverb. You remember you hear about it where there's like a, like a mouse gets dropped into like a, a bucket of milk. And it's struggling to stay afloat. And it struggles and struggles and struggles and struggles and struggles. And swims for so long that the milk becomes cream and then it walks out. You know, it's like good things happen. When we struggle and keep going, good things happen. And that's so true for the Christian life. So I have, I mean, I have, I have, I have rambled on very long. This is an important point for me, I think. Um, but yeah, so let's keep going. Second thing I want us to take from this passage is to keep our heads up, you know, to let's stay encouraged, let's stay hopeful, because we have an amazing hope, don't we? Yes. Amen. Yes, we do. You know, we have an amazing hope. I, I was reading Revelation chapter 12 this week, a passage I have not read much before, but it's a great passage. Basically describes a war. I love war passages. Describes a war in the heavens in the future. Basically, the devil is hurled to the earth, defeated by Jesus. And everyone's there going like, yes, Jesus. And I'm kind of reading it going, yes, Jesus. And I just need to go, come on. Yes, victory is God's. And we have that. So let's keep our heads up. You know, even when we're struggling, even when life gets a bit mundane, let's keep our heads up because we've got a fantastic future. You know, the, the kingdom of God is here. And it is growing. Amen? Yes. It's spreading slowly but surely, surely across our city, across our nation, and across the world. And the enemy, he has been defeated at the cross. And he's going to finally be dealt with when the Lord comes again one day. And until that day, we've got the Holy Spirit changing us, transforming us, transforming lives, transforming relationships, transforming cities, transforming nations as people bow their knees in obedience to Jesus. And that is good news, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't have all these isn't-its in my notes, but I'm just enjoying a bit of feedback here. There's no masks, so like we can kind of, well, there is some, but like there's a little bit of participation. It's fantastic. You know, we've been given this new spiritual life and a promise of life after death, eternal life. So let's, let's keep our heads up. And, and we've got the presence of God with us. You know, it's been so good to see People engaging with God over these last few weeks in worship and people sharing how they've really met with God and, and he's kind of yeah, really impacted their lives in these last few weeks. And, and the day is coming when, when the whole earth is going to be filled with God's manifest presence. That is going to be awesome. You know, and in that time, there's going to be no more death. There's going to be no more mourning. There's going to be no more crying. There's going to be no more pain. And as, as Revelation says, the old order of things will have passed away. Things are going to be made new. Things are going to be awesome. Have you ever wondered what that's going to look like? Like the new creation? You ever, you ever try to imagine it? I mean, I remember reading C.S. Lewis's Great Divorce where he tries to almost imagine what that might be like. And it, it's kind of like anything that you see in this life that's beautiful it will be way more beautiful than new creation anything that you that you see that is enjoyable like the joy the joy will just be multiplied it's just it, yeah it's hard to get our heads around but it's going to be absolutely amazing and that is the hope that we have as believers in Jesus we have that 
So let's keep our heads up and let's keep going. And I will get those t-shirts ordered, yeah? <laughs> Hashtag keep going. Hashtag keep your heads up.